My most prized possession is my rejection letter from Harvard Business School. I started from zero and built a practice that, you know, we have uh, 10 locations, 105 employees, 15 surgeons, and more coming. You must listen. Welcome to the Drilling Millions Podcast. The Drilling Millions Podcast. Lessons from some of the most successful dentists on the planet. I want you to deal with your problems by becoming rich. Presented by Sage Dental Partners. Your practice transition team. That escalated quickly. Coming to you from Toronto. Podcasting to the world. Please welcome. Please welcome. Akil Chawla. We have an incredible guest on this week, Dr. Jason Auerbach, oral surgeon practicing out of the U.S., uh, has amassed a huge social media following. Uh, I think it's almost like 200,000 followers on Instagram. Has done really well. In, in, in not only the social space, but uh, actually the practice management. Um, and, and he's at, I think, about 10 practices at this point. So he's a very successful oral surgeon with even bigger ambitions to grow his practices by 10x. As you'll hear in the podcast, is just incredible. With Jason, we discuss marketing, uh, you know, whether it be Instagram. Um, he's recently become the official oral surgery a group of an NHL team. We talk about how to scale your practices. What numbers do you monitor? Do you really look at the bottom line on a daily basis, weekly basis, monthly basis? And how do you learn these particular skills in order to scale your practices? And finally, we cap it off with taking a personal look at Jason. Jason at his very core is an entrepreneur, but also an extremely competent and capable surgeon. So we talk a little bit about what makes someone an entrepreneur and how personally he manages you know, all the various balls he has in the air right now. This is a phenomenal episode. I really enjoyed recording it, and I hope you guys enjoy this week's installment of Drilling Millions. Dr. Arbach, Jason's uh, bloody tooth guy on Instagram, is a marketing genius in a lot of ways. I know you'd started off the, uh, the 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 page early on, so why don't you just start off by talking about how you got started on Insta? A story I've told a couple of times is I started in 2015. I actually happened to be on my daughter's birthday. Uh, I was sitting in my office and I was watching Dr. Pimple Popper. And I thought to myself that if people would be interested in watching popping pimples, maybe bloody teeth. And so I figured that I would really just start posting pictures of bloody teeth. And I did. And I, I, I came up with the name bloody tooth guy because, uh, a very, very close friend of mine's daughter had a stuffed animal that had a broken tail. And the name of the stuffed animal was Broken Tail Guy. And I thought it just actually sounded right. And so I took Bloody Tooth Guy from that. And I credit Kayla for that um, every time I speak about it. And so I, initially, uh, Instagram was still photos only. It was a place where uh, there wasn't a lot of healthcare content at all. Dental, really almost none. Maybe some lifestyle, you know, dental lifestyle stuff like APA and things like that. There were a couple of surgeons who were doing things similar to what I was doing. As Instagram evolved into video and more artistic expression, I was very, very fortunate to be providing content that they were looking to, to push. Things have changed drastically uh, just in terms of sensitive content warnings and things like that. And the way that uh, Instagram pushes video over, over uh, still images and 
reels to try to compete with TikTok as opposed to kind of more of their standard format stuff. But I was there. I was fortunate. And uh, I, I think I've, I, I've built something pretty, pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's definitely pretty special. And, and I mean, in the dental space, it's kind of in a class of its own. I appreciate um, that. Which is which is pretty cool. So Thank do you, you still manage it? We're at 183,000 followers now, which is huge. But do you still manage it yourself or do you have a 100%. firm doing it for you? No, you, you manage it yourself. Every single post, every single, every single photo, every single video obviously is taken by a member of my team. Um, you know, if I'm working, but most of the photos are are taken by me. I'm not a I'm not like a technical photographer by any means. I, I think probably my strength comes with the composition of the photo. If you look at my early stuff, it was that. Um, but the fact is, is that all of the visual content and all of the uh, what I'm writing comes just from me. And typically, it's like at the moment, uh, and that's that's how I've done it. I feel like the conventional philosophy is, you know, people will grow their Instagram pages and they'll say, ah, oh, this is too big. I don't want to handle it anymore. Why, why did you go down the route of managing yourself rather than outsourcing? Uh, I feel like my my voice is very specific to me and I don't mean the way my voice sounds, although maybe I do think that what I have to say is so clearly from me or not from me that that if I tried to have somebody write or ghostwrite for me, it, it really would be inauthentic. And I think I, I mean, that for me is what I preach in my business and what I preach kind of in life. And you have to really kind of be who you are. People ask me all the time, how do they build an Instagram page or how do they do well on social media or business or life, whatever. And I, I really just say, you have to be you. And if you're a likable human and you are being honest and truthful to yourself, it's sustainable and it's going to yield positivity for you. I mean, if it's real, if it's not, then people see through that as funny as social media is and people think it's like not real, um, you know, the, the audience is pretty sophisticated. They can see when, when you're trying to BS them. So that's why I do it myself. Uh, I can definitely, I, I will say this. I think that I probably could have grown much more quickly. I also think that I probably from this point could grow significantly and monetize it more and, and all of that. Um, uh, if I had somebody managing it and pushing TikTok style videos and, telling me, you know, consulting with me on how to do what I would have to do. But I, I don't really have the bandwidth for it. It's really a tertiary thing for me. You know, I have a practice, I guess we'll get into that. I have my family, my friends, my life. It's funny, a bloody tooth guy is is really something that I love, but it's, it's not something that I, I spend as much time on as one would think. Yeah, I, th I think you're so right on that authenticity piece. I think in a previous podcast you recorded, you said, you know, you can go hire a marketing firm, but what is a Thanksgiving post really going to do for your practice? Right. right. I, I think that hit the, hit the nail right on the head, which is, you know, if you're not posting stuff that people care about, it's not going to lead to anything. That's right. That's true. It's That's just going to, just going to be at the top of their, the feed, but I mean, what That's does that right. really mean? I mean, people want to see who you are. People want to understand kind of what makes you tick. And if, if you're trying to just push, digital images and things like that, that, that doesn't work. Also the same thing. No one wants to see a middle-aged guy from New Jersey dancing on TikTok. It's not what you're looking for. And that's not what I'm providing for you. People look to me, I think, which has evolved into this over time for kind of um, guidance, almost education to some degree, to a great degree. 
And, and I think that I, I'm happy to provide it. I love doing that. I never saw myself as a, a teacher. I felt like I'm a guy who does things. I'm very, very hands-on. And if you learn from that and you learn that way, that's great. Uh, but I've, I've, I've been asked, of course, many times to lecture and talk and all that. I'm not one to prepare a lecture and speak. That's why I said to you, you, you can send me topics, you know, all day long. I'm not even going to look at them. You're going to ask me a question. I'm going to be real and answer it. And that's how I do my thing. Yeah, it's, that's the right way to do it. I like it. So you, you've said, you mentioned APA um, and some of the others. I think there's a, there's a whole um, bunch of dentists that really hammer down on the, the lifestyle aspect of it. Why have you chosen to go down the direction of the clinical side? I really do see my bloody tooth guy account as having evolved into what it is now. So it started out really as photographs of just bloody teeth. And then I became a little bit more interesting with them. I posed them in different ways and, 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 you know, ask people to come up with captions or whatever it would be. Uh, and then video, like I said, became a thing. And it, it just seemed to be what my audience was interested in. Also my lifestyle while great, uh, is not, I'm not like jet setting here, jet setting there. I live right outside New York city. So the lifestyle part of what you get from my account, where I go to dinner and concerts and things like this, you'll see, but I'm not doing it to curate an image that you can like, Oh, look how you can live. I mean, I'm 49. I'll be 49 years old this week. I've done this for a very long time. My business was built by me. It's a, it's a good, successful oral surgery platform business. Um, I've earned what I have. And so, you know, a lot, there are a lot of younger people out there who are like, this is where I go. This is what I do. Look at how fancy I dress, but they don't have really anything, including a patient base or, or a really much life experience or anything like that. For me, uh, I've done it. So this is what I do. I go, I eat sushi. I'm very fortunate. I eat the best restaurants in the world. I go to great concerts. This is what I love to do. But the majority of what I think is important on Bloody Tooth Guy is oral surgery content. That's why you're there. I mean, the, I, I've done obviously demographic evaluation of like my, my entire audience. A lot of young dentists, which is great. A lot of dental students, dental residents, people interested in oral surgery and learning techniques. People ask me every single day, what instrument is that? You know, how do I make that flap? What are you using for an anesthetic cocktail? Like all these clinical questions. Um, and of course, business questions as well, but people are interested in oral surgery. And, and I, I think I've provided that for them. So a big driver of what seems like a lot of these pages is to bring patients into the door. Um, I mean, whether or not you want to get into the specifics of that, but what is it meant for your actual practice, your oral surgery practice? Do you get patients to the door because of the page or is this more just a, um, a hobby? I think it's, it's more the latter. I, I, I do of course get patients who want bloody tooth guy to take out their wisdom teeth or put in an implant or something like that. And that's great. It's very flattering. Um, but again, you know, I, I have a practice that I've built over. So, I mean, the, the practice itself, Riverside Oral Surgery is 15 years old. So thankfully, I have a reputation um, that's a clinical reputation based on where I practice and with the referring doctors and the, and the communities that I serve. So that for me is, I don't say it's enough. There's never enough. And I appreciate everything. But I don't, I don't use Bloody Tooth Guy to push patients to my office at all. In fact, that's probably from a business perspective, uh, a mistake 
but initially I was totally anonymous for the first four years. I, I didn't even let anybody know that bloody tooth guy was Jason Auerbach. And I did that because I, I think in the early days of Instagram, I wasn't even sure, you know, how patients would take that or if referring doctors would look at it as a positive or negative, or if my competing surgeons would use it as a negative and, and try to kind of feed my referring doctors negative things about me and, you know, my business and all of that. I really didn't know. Um, obviously the world changed. Everyone wants to be famous, Insta famous, social media famous and all of that. So that has benefited me. Uh, and I, I, I'm happy to, you know, post anybody who asks me to or, or anything like that. But HIPAA is a real thing uh, in the United States. It's something that we have to be really, really focused on. I am inside my practice. I am on Bloody Tooth Guy. If, if you see me post, you'll never see any identification of a patient. Uh, and you'll never see uh, anyone who would not ask me or, or expressly, you know, give me permission to actually post them. Have you run into any any issues with that? Because I know there's a there's a whole bunch of these, you know, whatever you call them, plastic surgery uh, influencers who've gotten into a little bit of trouble because of uh, because of what they've been posting. Anything on your end or? No, thank God, no. Um, you know, I I have. I mean, if you look at it, it's always respectful. I'm never, you know, if if you hear conversation between me and an assistant or me and. Natalie Nana, who's who's usually re, uh, recording me, it's always you know tasteful and and and, and appropriate and kind. There's never any uh, you know like making fun of patients or or being in any way unprofessional. So I think most of that comes from trying to trying to showboat. That's not my style at all. So I no, I haven't had any issues with that at all. Thankfully, oh, that's good. That's good. So. What about your partnership with the New Jersey Devils? When you responded to my email, I saw in the signature, you're the official uh, oral surgery uh, or yeah. oral surgeons for them. We are. So uh, from, so we practice, I started my practice uh, in 2007 in Northern New Jersey in, the in a county called Burton County. Uh, it's my practice, the primary one that I have been in since then uh, is about six miles from the George Washington bridge. So New York city is, is, right here. I grew up on Long Island, which is a suburb of New York. And I was uh, a Ranger fan, actually. So that was that was something that was and continues to be near and dear to my heart. But when I got to Jersey, fortunately, we developed a reputation and, and a referral network. And we were seeing a lot of the devil's players and upper management and 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 it became something that was really a big part of my practice. We were seeing the Devils. We were seeing the Giants. Uh, at the time, we were seeing the Nets, um, who have since moved to Brooklyn, of course. Of course. And, you know, it, it was something that we were doing on a, on a regular basis. And I said to myself, I'm like, I love this. This is great. It's an honor. Uh, but I'd love to be able to talk about it. And so how do you talk about it? You have to go into a, an, an actual agreement with the, with the organization, uh, because it's a it's a different kind of relationship. It's not that I'm the team dentist. I'm it's a marketing agreement, of course, um, but it comes with a lot of significant benefits. So, uh, being the official oral surgeon of the New Jersey Devils uh, enables me to be at games and network and meet people and and uh, provide tickets to 
basically every event at the Prudential Center for my referral network and for patients and for team members. So it's it really is a, a very, very, very special partnership that, um, you know, th that I would never really want to give up. Uh, the Devils are really the only professional sports team with the moniker of New Jersey, even though the Giants and the, and the uh, Jets play in New Jersey. They're both New York sports teams. And even though there are some soccer teams that play here as well, or football, as, as most people in the world would call it, uh, they're the, the only team that is called a New Jersey professional sports team is the New Jersey Devils. And hockey's great. So. I love it. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, from, uh, again, just from an ROI perspective, you said it, it's meant a lot from, you know, the goodwill between your referral network. Um, and a lot of people listening to this are dentists, dental students, uh, residents. Is it, is it worth, you know, I mean, at different scales, of course, you have so many practices and just a, a massive empire, but is it worth for a, you know, a dentist with a couple of practices, to, to enter an agreement like this, or is that, you know, a little bit too premature? I definitely did not do it when I had only a few different offices. It would have been, I don't want to say cost prohibitive, but it would, it would have been, you know, a significant undertaking. Being the official oral surgeons of the New Jersey Devils for us is just, it really supports the brand. It supports, you know, what we're trying to put out there that we provide the best level of oral surgery care in the state of New Jersey, I think anywhere in the world. Um, and so, so the support of that organization, which is so well-respected and means so much in the state of New Jersey is huge. Um, you know, when you're thinking about building a brand, which is something that I, uh, I was very, very acutely aware was important when I started and still am, uh, it's, it's really about like, what do you want to be known for? And, uh, you know, early on, it was and continues to be the optimal patient experience each and every time. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I came up with that. I own the IP. Uh, I, I use it in all my marketing, uh, and and it's really not just words. It's something that I strive for. I mean, literally every single day, I try to figure out how to raise the bar and what that optimal patient experience is, and obviously we don't always hit the mark. Sometimes we miss, unfortunately, that's, that's business, that's life. But if you shoot for that, then, then ultimately you'll get close. Even if you miss, it's the same thing with the devils. I mean, the fact that we're partnered with them gives us um, a lot of strength in, in what we're doing. People know, Oh, you, these guys are good enough to treat the devils. These guys are good enough to, to work with the devils. The devils are some, they vetted us, you know, very, very well. And so if, if we're good enough for that, then most patients think we're good enough for them. So it's, it's from a branding perspective, very important. Also from a specialty dentistry standpoint, the hospitality piece is a huge, huge thing. Let's be real. Um, so being able to go out and network and, and reward um, loyalty and, and, and reward our, our so like the, the young ladies and, and young guys who work for us who maybe wouldn't necessarily be able to go see some of these events that are at the Prudential Center, which is where the Devils play. I mean, we routinely give Disney on ice tickets to, you know, young dental assistants with young children. And, and, and it's, it's really, really appreciated. So that relationship is 
hugely important for us as an organization internally and externally. And I, I would wager that like if a PE firm were to look at the ROI on the spend, you probably would be hard pressed to find like a good positive ROI, but it's the qualitative piece more than the quant that, that to me is always what separates really exceptional businesses from ones that are just like, you know, multiples of EBITDA. Right. How did you become so um, acutely aware of, of brand building? Because that's just, that's not something you see amongst a lot of dentists or surgeons or, or even healthcare workers. I feel like that's such a nuanced uh, way of thinking about your practice. Where'd you develop that? Growing up, I was always pretty entrepreneurial, uh, and and as such, uh, I, I think I think people have these innate skill sets and 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 certain ac- acumen for certain things. For me, I I was probably I maybe am a kind of a natural promoter of things. Uh, I understand things. Um, I understand like the emotion that something is uh, is supposed to bring or is going to ideally bring the audience. And so I, I don't know. I mean, I've been, I was fortunate to be exposed to some things very early that struck me as impressive or important. I mean, just as an example, and this is much later in life, we were at the montage in, in uh, Laguna in California. Um, my wife and I and our, and our, our daughter, who's now a freshman in college, was a baby. She was like two or three. And she was, this, this is not really answering your questions, but this is the kind of stuff that I really see. Um, so she wanted, I don't know, call it strawberry jelly or something like that. And, and all they had there was grape jelly. And instead of the guy saying to me, uh, you know, I only have grape jelly, I'm sorry, or whatever, he didn't even say anything. He literally walked across the street to a convenience store, bought her strawberry jelly, brought it back to the table and gave it to her. And to me, that's that stuck with me because it was really all about, you know, say yes and figure out on the backside how to make it happen, right? Always make the patient happy, always make... Um, always, always basically give that patient experience, the customer experience. And so again, I know this is not so much the branding, but it is part of that. It's part of just kind of always giving your best and always putting out there uh, what, what the, what the patient wants or what the customer wants or what the consumer wants. Well, no, it made a whole lot of sense because, you know, any brand is, is nothing without the emotion it evokes. Right. And just like that guy running across the street to get your, you know, daughter some jam. It's like, okay, well, that evokes an emotion. Now, every time you think of, you know, that place, it's it's just a great experience. So, I mean, right. it all ties into it all ties into branding for sure. But in terms of like a, a monetary amount, do you allocate a? And it, it doesn't really sound like this just based on your previous uh, answer, but do you allocate a, a specific percent or or amount, or is it just? You know, if you see something and it makes intuitive sense, you'll go with that. It's the latter. And, and so, so early on in the years of, of my business, um, I, I never, ever thought about the cost of anything. It was all like, as long as I had enough money to make my family comfortable and, and whatever it was, every other dollar went back into the business, whether it was technology or updating the office or marketing or whatever it was. I didn't look at it at all. I have zero formal business training. Um, in fact, my most prized possession is my rejection letter from Harvard Business School. Um, and so, I mean, when I was a when I was an oral surgery resident, I thought about maybe going to get my MBA and took my GMAT, 
did very well, thankfully, but got rejected from Harvard. And I, I have it hanging on my wall right here. Um, and so I never, I'm not a, I'm not a guy who's looking or never have been a guy who, who was looking at spreadsheets or anything like that. I understand norms. I understand what's too much, what's too little, obviously. Um, but my business sense comes more from trying to kind of do the right thing as I see it. But, you know, sometimes I've been wrong, but most of the time, thankfully, my, my intuition is right. That's incredible. I can't believe you printed out that. Rejection. Oh, it's it's my, it, it's printed out. So perspective, this was in uh, 1999. So they actually sent me a typed letter that read like, you know, we, we wish you all the best in the world, but you're not Harvard material, which I didn't write that. Obviously they wrote something very, very kind, but, but uh, yeah, I love it. I love it. And my daughter, so when my daughter did not get into a certain school, I showed her that I was like, this is what it's all about. You know, I believe fully, this is a total tangent, but I believe that the vast majority of my success has come off the heels of a perceived failure. So if I didn't get into something or if I didn't get the position that I wanted, or if I didn't get the partnership that I thought I wanted at the practice that I was an associate, um, I, I, all of the things that happened subsequent to those negative experiences have yielded so much more positivity. I mean, I could speak for days on like, you know, I was an associate somewhere right out of residency and, you know, I was promised the world and that didn't come to fruition which is why I started Riverside Oral Surgery, which is why I have everything I have in the world right now. So, I mean, like that whole thing is, is a whole other little discussion, but I've been very fortunate in life. Like what you heard? Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen and follow Drilling Millions on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube for exclusive clips. 